CME, where we interview industry thought leaders in governance, risk, and compliance on hot topics, industry-specific challenges, trends, and more to learn about your methods, solutions, and outlook in this space. Hello, 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 GRCME listeners. I'm Heath Anderson. I'll be the guest host. And for those who don't know, I'm the information security leader here at LogicGate. And I happen to be joined by a very special guest, one Elizabeth Walker. And Elizabeth, I don't know if you want to do a quick uh, little intro about your role and your experience with internal audit. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Elizabeth Walker. I'm the security compliance manager here at LogicGate. So I have the immense joy of doing our internal audit. I came from IBM. I was there for seven years. and based out of Dallas, Texas. So happy to be here with y'all. And there's the first y'all. We'll, we'll get a y'all counter going, <laughs> to get going into this. But I think one of the things before, you know, internal audit is our topic for today. And I think one of the questions I always have is, what does internal audit mean to you? I feel like that definition and all the companies that I've been a part of has meant very different things. And so I'm just curious and I get a little perspective about you, but what, is, what, do we, what does it mean when I say internal audit? To me, it feels like in a compliance role or department or company, it's kind of the baseline of compliance for a company, right? Like this is where we establish what we want to do, how we want to do it, what standards we want to map to. It's kind of like, in my opinion, the beating heart of compliance, right? This is where we build it from the ground up and kind of add on, so... Awesome. I guess what, now that you've kind of been at a couple of different places and seen it, well, maybe we'll start with what's the same, what's what's consistent in internal audit, um, and then maybe we'll jump into what's different. Regardless, big company, small company, I always seem to run into the same personalities, I would say, I guess, you know, in working with internal stakeholders and SMEs. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I was going to say, I feel like that is uh, the same from my experiences. I've gotten a lot of the introduction of a lot of different compliance people and also people that, you know, really help us from like an information security control perspective. And I think a lot of times you end up realizing, you know, at the end of the day, the controls are the different, but the people are the same. And so I feel like there's definitely a good amount of, uh, you know what, I've done this before. Let me, you know, pull out this playbook and it relates to, you know, describing why control is important or, you know, why evidence is applicable. For sure. And honestly, people are vital to it because I'm not the subject matter expert on a lot of the stuff that we review. So their contributions are invaluable. I always, now you know, because you're part of my team, but I'm obsessed with the TV show, The Office. And I always kind of, you know, link personalities that I run into as like a, a person on The Office. So for example, like if I ask for evidence from a Stanley, he will give me the bare minimum, no more, no less. He's very simple, straightforward, right? A Pam knows a lot about her her content, but she's not as confident. So I got to boost her up, kind of like maybe sit with her, go through the evidence, be like, yeah, you got the right stuff. Oscar would probably be like the gold star of SMEs, right? He He knows his stuff. He pushes back when it seems, or, you know, pushes back for better control wording or better evidence requests, right? And then you occasionally run into like a Dwight who's very skeptical of all audit requests, of all, you know, why is the external auditor asking for this? Why do you need this? Or, you know, you worded it differently. What are, what are you talking about? So, yeah, I can go on, but <laughs> I, I will not go into all the characters. No, I think that's... 
I, I feel like we could uh, we could probably recreate the whole entire uh, thing with just a, a whole office episode dedicated to them trying to make clear an audit. I feel like that makes for excellent, you know, new office uh, office episode. <laughs> You know, the first thing is you were talking about, you were mentioning like Stanley, uh, I guess I'm curious, you know, around like, okay, let's shift. We talked about some of the similarities, like how do you handle like a Stanley in this, you know, from an audit perspective, like what, what problems have you seen at prior companies that you feel like is just, you know, an aspect of, you know, having to deal with those types of personalities? Sure. So I think one of the challenges that comes with a Stanley is this person typically hasn't been super involved in the audit or control processors, maybe not even aware of what they're supposed to be doing. It's kind of the burden of the internal auditor to educate them and say, okay, that one tiny screenshot of text, thank you. That is what I asked for. But I also need to see, you know, the portal it came from and like the timestamp and all of this information. So having some education set up as well as maybe more descriptive evidence asks or, you know, requests of your stakeholders of the SMEs participating can kind of alleviate that sometimes. Totally. And I feel like that explains a lot when I kind of think about my, you know, the roles that I've been in is you sometimes get like a very descriptive, like, this is what I need. And I feel like when I'm in that, you know, in the boat of receiving that, I'm always sitting there being like, why are you, you haven't, you telling me exactly what report to run. And I think a lot of that is lost in terms of the the situation that you're in. (laughs) They've ran into a Stanley at some point in their career and they're, they're, course correcting. Exactly. I feel like the other thing I would say, and just coming from it, you know, from a more of a support versus, you know, the people that are driving it truly from a compliance perspective. I think one of the other problems that I've seen that's really hard is a lot of times the problems that kind of surface are really around just how the conversation happens. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, has brought me to Logicate and is really thinking about how I interact with security is like, how do you engage people and get them critically thinking? Because a lot of times, you know, when we're, you have somebody fresh they're you know, and they're coming in with a different perspective, they're like, why are we producing this giant piece of evidence when this would be the perfect description of demonstrating that control. And I feel like that sometimes gets lost as like, a, you know, a compliance program matures is that, you know, if it worked once, it works again. And I think that's one of the big challenges you have to have as you're kind of thinking about this is how do you keep yourself aligned to the current process and then hopefully make yourself as efficient as possible. So I think that's one of the things that I've seen is like, how do you break out of that? And I think that'll be what uh, we can kind of maybe shift into that and how you're doing that here at Logic Ape. And thinking on that, a lot of the time where I see us getting stuck or, you know, even in my prior roles where, as you said, you know, we keep relying on what we did before. Oh, we've always done it X way. So we know it works tried and true, but having conversations, not only having conversations and communications with your stakeholders, but also empowering them. They are the subject matter experts on what I'm asking for, right? So who better to update our control language to give me feedback about how we should be testing it than them? So I think really empowering them, allowing them to give that feedback and kind of have it set up on a cadence, whether that's monthly, quarterly, to do that, I think that's where we can continually improve and kind of get out of that rut of, okay, we did this last time, we have to do it this time. 
that's where I think, um, you know, in terms of like how we try to approach things with giving a lot more transparency and really thinking about, you know, hey, at the end of the day, the control owner isn't the compliance team. It's the person that's actually been established as the one accountable. I think that hopefully does help have that conversation because at the end of the day, like they're having to report and deal with this scenario versus it kind of going in a roundabout fashion to back to them to see how they actually did afterwards. So I guess one of the things I'm kind of just curious about is you kind of mentioned, you know, things change. And I know here at Logicate, we change, you know, we're a fast growing company. Things change rapidly, quarter to quarter, year over year. What have been some good ways to kind of like focus a control owner and like get them to really think about, you know, this is why this control matters. Like, how does that shift when you have that kind of framework of having somebody that's you know, responsible, but might not be the, you know, the person that's the most educated around why, you know, we're doing it this way. What I've seen work, at least for me here at Logigate is having, setting up a one-on-one meeting, even if they're new, or if I'm new to this process, for example, I came here, what, nine months ago. So I had meetings with all of our control owners. And the first part was sitting down and saying, okay, here's some content that I built to educate you of like basically what a control is. Cause I'm in it day in, day out. I'm like, Oh, this is obvious, but to them, it may not seem that way. So control owner 101. Okay. Why, what is a control? How are we testing it? And why is it important? Right. How can this help us to better our company, to better your processes, to, you know, identify where there may be risk that we have to address in our process. So it's a challenge I think everybody in the like risk business has to deal with is that it's not a game of us saying that we don't trust you or we don't have an understanding that you know you're doing what's best for the business. If you kind of said in there that why does it matter? Why does demonstrating this have business value? And I think that can definitely have like a really good take of like taking those elements and then putting them in a way that you know is easy for you to have on a one-off basis, you know, in those one-on-one conversations is like showing that and then, you know, not making it a game of like, just trust me and do it, but really giving them the extra time to like ask those questions, understand why it matters, and hopefully come at you with some really good ideas on ways to maybe make it better or to add a new control or something like those lines. Yeah, exactly. I've had a lot of collaborative sessions with, you know, SMEs here at Logicate walking me through what they have and them suggesting, you know, new evidence that, we previously didn't use that may have been a lot better for the control that was asked. So having those conversations is really important. No, I, I, you definitely have done that a couple of times with me where you're like, <laughs> you know what, we could probably just do it this way and be a lot more simple. And I'm like, thank you for coming in and taking this and making this so much better. But yeah. So let's shift it. I know we talked a little bit about Logicate, but I'd love to shift it to just the compliance industry as a whole. And so when we're thinking about just the trends and everything else that's happening, you know, I know we spend a lot of time figuring out internally, what's the next thing? Like, how do we help, you know, what's the new framework or what's the new process that we can do? Because at the end of the day, like we want to make sure that we're, you know, aligning the best practices. And so I'm just curious, what trends are you seeing that like really excite you and like really would love to like implement here at LogicGate? Yeah. So one I was reading about recently that I, again, one of my favorite parts is working with people and I, I like the subjective nature of it, but I, okay. To boil it down, the trend I really was excited about is evaluating the culture of a company and internal audit. So taking what 
a lot of auditors consider to be a very subjective thing by nature and making it real, quantifying the risks, evaluating the culture of a company. How would that look? Like what are, what are some ways that you can kind of take something that's potentially subjective or not, you know, not really established and then turn it into something, you know, that's, you know, I would say is a hard to register as culture into an actual like objective kind of tangible thing. That's one of the challenges, but, you know, a lot of companies have processes already for monitoring their culture, you know, employee engagement surveys, insider threat monitoring by security, internal audit could interview their control evaluations and get feedback, you know, look at those surveys, for example, to identify areas of weakness, um, company turnover rates, you know, those play into a culture, right? I feel like when a company has a weak culture, there are trends that show high turnover. There are also reputational risks, financial risks when a blow to the culture has happened. So I, I think there's a lot of ways companies do it differently. You could do it through interviews. It's kind of cool because it doesn't, there's not really a framework that says, how do you make your employees happy, you know, and how do you establish it? But at the end of the day, like we've got a lot of things happening. You know, everyone likes to mention like the great resignation and things like that, that are like showing that people are, you know, not happy. But to your point, how do you establish proactive controls that indicate people are, you know, in culture are successful versus things where underneath the surface, things might be bubbling that, you know, pose a risk, not only to just the ability to meet, you know, uh, a process or whatever, but all overall the company's performance as a whole, like if there's an indicate, if there's an indicator that you can have like that and show through the method of like making sure that these things happen, it's kind of like a, a unique way to be proactively compliant to, you know, the things that you think will drive the success and adoption of the culture of the company. Right. Exactly. And it, I know it will differ company to company, but it just seems like a really cool thing. You know, it's, it's kind of out of the box for most of the traditional audit processes. So most standards don't take into account company culture. So it'd be a, a cool thing to incorporate. One of the other things that I know I've, I've, I've poked uh, and asked a bunch of questions to you uh, before before this chat about it, but I'm, I'm curious around the continuous control monitoring trends that are happening. I know there's a lot of people that are really thinking about ways to adopt that to kind of get a little bit more you know, analytical about producing the evidence. I'm just curious what you think about that as like a trend, you know, how's it going to shift the conversation if you were to have an automated process that collects controls versus people? hundred percent. I don't think people, at least for a little while, will be taken completely out, but the automation does definitely free up a lot of time for compliance experts, GRC experts to prioritize and focus on the important things in that internal audit, in that external audit. Uh, data for analytics, that's huge. Right now, you know, we can kind of go through and, you know, control by control, say, okay, I see where the gap is here. But across the board, maybe see, okay, we see kind of inefficiencies or opportunities for improvement in this general category. Like maybe we spend some more time over here, uh, just driving more efficiencies and in internal auditing altogether. So... Totally. And I think to kind of pull out something you'd said earlier about having the conversation is that hopefully if you're not spending most of your time bothering, you know, not bothering, but like telling people, send me the evidence, you know, and kind of doing those types of things, 
you can have that time, you know, you can give that like shift of like, Hey, instead of spending an hour collecting evidence, let's spend 30 minutes really spending about like how to do things better or to spend time on those analytics to produce, you know, some focus areas. And so I think that's a really good point in terms of like, you know what, like the people aren't going to go away. Like there's still going to be a compliance team, but their conversation and approach can really change because they can spend their time talking about the why versus the, like how you demonstrate it. Cause it's already established. <laughs> right. We don't, 30 minutes explaining the population we need. We already have the population through automation. We just get to have, you know, better conversations with our SMEs and improve it that way. Love it. All right. Um, I do have one more question then I'll, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go, but I'm curious if you, I love to ask this question just for everybody. If you had a magic wand and you could make one thing change for compliance, I'm curious if you could just pick one, what would be your magic wand that you would magically change for everybody? Ooh, that's a good question. There may be two things. One thing I would change, it depends on where you are, right? I would change the manual processes because in my old job, we did everything via spreadsheets, via like random ticketing systems where we would hopefully tag the right, you know, piece of audit evidence or the right department. So eliminating those across the board just for everybody to make lives easier. But also, I guess working with, to an extent you do have to be prescriptive, but like people who take it like by the book, right? Like it has to be this or else nothing happens, or, you know, or you fail, like this or nothing. I think there's a lot more, you know, flexibility and gray area in it than some people would like to admit. And so eliminating the black and white view of certain things. <laughs> I can definitely see that being a very, a very helpful thing for a lot in a lot of different ways. Well, I would say, actually, I do have one more question because I know you brought it up earlier and you were like the office and I, I was going to ask you after the call, but I, you know, let's just do it in front of the GRC and me group. If you could pick, what would you, whose personality would you say that I align to it? in terms of the office. I feel like I got to know and I feel like the people need to know. <laughs> I would say you are like an Oscar with like a sprinkle of Dwight. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, you have a weird Amish cousin. So just a, just a sprinkle. I know. I love it. No, as I say, that's great. Uh, I, I feel, I felt like I had to ask, um, but no, I appreciate it. Elizabeth, I appreciate you spending some time getting a chance to talk for everybody and kind of walk through some of the things that we spent a lot of time talking about as it relates to compliance here at LogicGate. So thanks again. And thanks everybody for listening and have a great day. Yeah. Thank you for having me. To learn more about how audit fits into a holistic GRC program, Check out Logigate's newest ebook, How to Make Your Life Exponentially Easier with a Holistic GRC Program. And it's available now, so you can download and read it, or you can listen to the audio version. You'll find it linked in the show notes, or you can always visit our resource center at logigate.com. And until next time, this is Megan Fee with GRC and Me.